Amen. Man, nothing encourages the preacher's heart than when the offering takes a long time. Amen? Yeah, so thank you for giving. We're very grateful for your heart toward giving. Uh, Kurt already talked about men's retreat, and I don't want to read do announcements on men's retreat, but can I just say one thing? Uh, there can be spiritual warfare around men's retreat. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. Uh, the enemy gains to benefit by keeping you away from men's retreat. And a lot of times, you know, you can, you know, if, if, if your work schedule doesn't allow you to go, I'm not saying that that's the devil. Don't misunderstand me. But just kind of that lackadaisical attitude, that feeling of, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go. A lot of times that can be spiritual warfare. And I just want to encourage you to press through that. Uh, just like Kurt said, uh, if there's a financial issue, don't be afraid to talk to us. We want you to go to Men's Retreat. We believe in Men's Retreat. It is fun, just like camp is fun, but we have amazing times with God. We have amazing services. So please don't miss out on this opportunity. I, as a pastor, I just want to encourage you and just to minister to you in that regard. I trust everybody's had a wonderful summer. Amen. Man, I've had a great summer. I love fall. I'm ready for fall. Uh, I love summer, and uh, I'm excited. Uh, high school football starts this Friday. Man, NFL football starts. NCAA football starts. Football starts. Man, aren't you excited, ladies? Man, praise God. There's going to finally be something to watch on TV. I mean, I've watched all the HGTV I can stand. I mean, I have watched it all summer long. I mean, I'm so tired of them people in Waco, Texas. I mean, I'm going to be so... Y'all know who they are, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, y'all know, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Vicky loves them, so I'm in trouble. Amen. So I'm excited. I'm going to finish my series this morning. I've taken the entire summer to talk about truth that changed our life. Uh, this morning will be the last part of that series. Let me encourage you. You can get on our website, tcf.church. It doesn't get any simpler than that, tcf.church. And you can listen to this series. I would encourage you, get online. It's free. It doesn't cost anything to listen. And go back and listen to these messages. I've so enjoyed preaching it. I've so enjoyed going back and thinking about where we've come from. I received Christ. When I was 12 years old, my family and I were attending the Baptist church. I uh, got into college. Vicki and I met. We got married. Uh, she received Christ as her Savior at my grandmother's church. Uh, we made a decision that we wanted to be Christians. We made a decision that we were going to follow God in our young married life. Uh, we had gotten in trouble early in our marriage and struggles. And so we surrendered our life to Jesus Christ, and we began this journey. Now, this journey had bumps in the road, just like your journey has. But along the way, we learned some things. And as we learned these things, we began to put them to work in our lives, and we began to see change. We began to see hope. We began to see help. Here's the thing about Christianity, and I know you know it. The offer of Christianity is life. It's always been life. It's not rules. It's not religion. It's not, that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is about life. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He didn't say I've come that you might have more rules. So we found out, man, I wanted life. I wanted more than what I had. And you know, I found out just like you have, the culture we live in, and I thank God for America. I, I'm so grateful that we live in a free nation and we could have church. But the culture that you and I live in, there's not a lot of life in our culture. You know it's not a better job. You know it's not more pay. You know it's not a bigger house. You, and all those things are nice. But you, you know as well as I do, when you get those things, things don't fix anything. 
And so we found out, man, we want life. And so we found out, man, we wanted Jesus Christ. Here's the very first thing we found out. I found out God wasn't mad at me. Now, I don't know about you, okay, but I've had some folks in my life mad at me. Uh, not mad in a bad way, but my mother, my dad, you know, I, I was kind of a rambunctious child. And so, you know, I know what it's like to have people not happy with me. And when I found out that God was not mad at me, that my sin had been paid for, the debt that I owed had been paid. And when Jesus went to the cross, my sin was attached to Jesus. Then his righteousness was attached to me. And listen, this morning, God's not mad at me. If you know Jesus as your Savior, God's not mad at me, at you. Listen, gentlemen, you're square with God, all right? You owed a debt you couldn't pay. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. And when I found out I couldn't pay it, uh, I did my best to stay away from God just like many of you did. But then when I found out, oh, the debt was paid, Jesus is not mad at me. I am in right standing with God, not because of anything I've done, but because of what he's done, it changed me. It changed my prayer life. It changed the way everything, everything we did as Christians. The second thing I learned was we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and uh, spoke in other tongues. Didn't know anything about that. I didn't grow up in that kind of church. Uh, the church I grew up in didn't say anything about it, didn't mention it. Uh, but we went to a meeting, and we were introduced to it, and we said yes, and it changed us. Those of you that have, have been Spirit-filled, you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I know you can attest that it changed you. It changed Vicki and I. I think the one thing it did for us is it gave us the strength to live our daily Christian life. It changed us. The third thing we found out was about the power of words, that it does matter how we talk. It does matter what we say. Listen, you set the mood in your own heart, your own mind, in your own home with your words. And we began to find out what God's promises were, and we began to say what God was saying about us. I stopped saying what my mom had said. I stopped saying what the coach said. I stopped saying what they were saying on the news, and I started saying what God said. And it changed us. It changed us. Listen, your words have power. Okay, words are like seed. Uh, and you know how you, we, I said, it, you know how we name our children? This is the whiner, this is the bedwetter, and this is the one that won't eat anything. Right, And then they carry those names with them their entire life. Instead of naming them blessed, strengthened, and encouraged, we say other things. So I found out words matter. The next thing we found out was that God's word has integrity. What is integrity? It means sound. It's, you know, this stage is sound. I can stand on it. I don't have fear this morning as I walk on this stage that I'm going to hit a weak spot and fall through. That isn't going to happen because this stage has integrity. Well, we begin to build our life on God's word. And we begin to ask ourselves when something would come up. We would say, hey, what, wonder what the Bible says about this. And we asked it about our money. We asked it about our kids. We asked it about our marriage. We, whenever something would come up, we'd say, hey, I wonder what the Bible says. Listen, we started reading our Bibles. Okay, we didn't let somebody else read it for us. Uh, you know, we, I grew up going to church, and the, the preacher read the Bible, but we never read the Bible. Well, we got a Bible, and we started reading it for ourselves. And we began to find out, oh, man, there's promises in there. And so we began to build our life on God's Word, and it changed us. Then the next thing we found out was about church. Listen, I love church, and not just because I'm the preacher. All right, I want to be in a, man, we have a great church here. I mean, we have amazing praise and worship. I love worshiping with y'all. Listen, you have a preacher who loves 
loves to preach, okay? I know preachers that don't all like to preach, but I'm one of them that likes to preach, man. And, and you're easy to preach to. You're, you're, you just draw it out of me. I can already feel it this morning. God's grace and presence is here. And I wanted to be in a church that the music was like the music I heard on the radio. Now, listen, I'm not against hymns. I love hymns, and we do some hymns. But I didn't want to go to a church that sang songs from 100 years ago. I wanted to go to a church that sang something that when you turn on the radio, you could hear it. I mean, I listen to music in the morning, right? And I love all kinds of music. I mean, I'll listen to, to, to good praise music when I'm making my oatmeal, but I also might listen to a whole lot of love by Led Zeppelin while I'm making my oatmeal. And so, man, I'm jamming in the kitchen with a whole lot of love going on. Little uh, Carter Birkenfeld, Jason's youngest, was at my house the other day, and she's, you know how babies are? You know, babies are not afraid to dance, right? Okay, you, you, right, you know what I'm saying, don't you, right? Now, now you know, when I dance, I'm, I'm kind of like this, Okay, you know, you make fun of the way I dance. My wife's always made fun of me. Honey, that's how you dance. Yeah, but it got you to the altar, baby, right? Yeah, yeah, it got, yeah, it, it got her married. Yeah, it did. I mean, man, yeah, I don't have a lot of moves, but what I have are good, amen? So, so man, Carter's dancing in the kitchen while I'm playing a whole lot of love. Now, she doesn't know the words yet. She's too young, but the more she comes over, she'll get them, right? So, so I'm, all I'm saying is, is church changed us. Church is a lot like uh, a spiritual splash pad. You know, if you've ever been to Amarillo, then they have those splash pads and the water shoots out. It's like playing in the sprinkler. Listen, there's life here. Jesus is here. When you get here, you get life on you. You know, you're not marking points. You're not wasting time. You're not here to try to please God. He's already pleased with you. And church changed us. And you know what it did? Well, when I'd have a rough week, it'd give me peace in my mind. And it would give me hope in my heart. And I've also gotten physically healed by being in church. Listen, when you're here, you get changed. If I could open your head this morning and help tweak your brain and help you understand that every time the doors open, you ought to be here, not to be religious, not to get points, but it changes you. It changes you. That life gets on you. And so, and we all miss church. I miss church, but it's about not be, not missing all the time. I'm here more than I'm not here. And so it changed us. Then the next thing we learned was we learned we were redeemed. Man, I love that word. Galatians 3.13. That's one of the first New Testament verses I learned. And it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That, church, that verse changed our life. I found out that I'm redeemed. What's that mean? Well, that means the blood of Jesus bought me, and I'm not under a curse. I'm not under the law. See, listen, New Testament Christianity is not about do's and don'ts. It's about a relationship. And see, I have a relationship with Jesus. And, it, and when, when I found that out, I found out I'm not cursed. See, in the old covenant, if you obeyed God, he was pleased and he would bless you. And if you disobeyed, you were cursed. Well, you and I live in the new covenant. And the new covenant's not based on obedience. It's based on faith, which means, God, I trust your promises. And as I walk with God, it changes me. Listen, now I know people always think this. Well, Pastor, are you saying I can do anything I want? Listen, you do anything you want already. Amen? Amen. I, I'm not going to change that. But here's what I know. Right thinking produces right believing. And see, I know God loves me. And so you know what it does in my life? I, I mean, I make mistakes. I blow it. I'm not saying I don't. Of course I do. But listen, I want my life to please God. And my life does please God because I want a relationship with him. Then the next thing we talked about was that we, were, we decided to be all in. Vicki and I just decided that we weren't going to have one foot in the world and one foot in church. We decided that we were just going to go ahead and get all in. And we fell in love with Jesus. Listen, that is the answer to your Christianity. 
If you boiled all this summer down to this one little thing right here, the answer to your Christianity is falling in love with Jesus. You see, that's what I decided to do. You see, I love Vicki with all my heart, and being with her is not a burden or a hassle. See, being here this morning is not a burden or a hassle. Why? Because I'm in love with Jesus, and I want to be with his people. I want to worship with his band. I want to hang out and have coffee and be together. I want to be with folks who love God like I do, and, and it changed us. Listen, if I could just encourage you this morning, fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And listen, and don't ever look back. Don't ever go back. Don't ever hold back. And listen, you won't, you won't be sorry. It changed us. Then the last thing I talked about last week was healing. Listen, Jesus is a healer. And when I found out that healing belonged to me and I could be healed, I grew up a sick kid, and I've had things happen to me over my life. And when I found out, one of the first verses I learned was 1 Peter 2.24, which says, by his stripes you were healed. And when I found out that Jesus paid for my healing at the cross, just like he did for my salvation, and that I could pray for healing, I could pray for others for healing, you can pray for me for healing. I've been healed in so many different ways over so many different things. Many of you in this room have been healed. And when I found that out, oh my gosh, it helped me, it changed me. Listen, I grew up in a church that said this, God might heal you, but he might not heal you. And you never know what God's going to do. Well, I found out you can know what God's going to do. When I found out that his word is his will. And when I read the Bible, I'm reading the will of God. And that God's will is not separate from the Bible. It is the Bible. And so, oh, man, it helped me. And, man, Vicki and I pray for each other. We learn to pray for our kids. And, you know, I've got my little bottle of anointing oil I carry with me. And, man, when your kids are sick at your house, you can anoint them with oil. You can get the Crisco out. You can get the olive oil out, whatever you've got. And you can anoint your kids with oil when they don't feel good. You can pray over each other. We teach the kids and power kids to pray over their grandmothers, pray over their family, and that they can pray for each other. And, man, it helped me. It changed me. That's another thing I love about this church is if you're sick here you can get prayer you can come up and get prayer and we anoint you with oil and we pray and I, I love that about what we're doing the last thing I want to talk to you about is this one of the things that Vicki and I decided to do now let me say this before I, I I give you this this list could be a hundred items long right I could preach on this for a whole year I've so loved looking at these things. And I really had a hard time of what to leave out and what to put in. Oh, Lord, what about this? I mean, the list just grew and grew and grew as I started thinking about it. But, but the last thing that really stirred in my heart that, that really affects us every day and that really changed us was this. We decided to surrender our finances to God. We decided to allow God to be involved in our money. And it changed us. You see, when we said, God, we're not going to use our money the way we want to. We're going to ask you what you'd like us to do with our money. And, and we live, we pay bills, we have a house payment, we pay car payments, we buy groceries. I, I'm not saying I pray and ask whether I should buy bread and milk, right? I don't mean that. But what I mean is, God, would you be involved in our finances? And we surrendered ourselves. I'm going to read you a verse this morning. It's in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is one of the first verses I learned. Here's primarily what this verse is about. This verse is about you being a giver. Okay? The family I grew up in, and I, I have a good Christian family. They were good people. My mom and dad are both in heaven this morning, and they were good people. But sometimes they could struggle giving. And the way they were raised, they were taught this. We got ours, you get yours. We fought to get what we have. You fought to get what you have. And they weren't big on necessarily helping somebody or giving to somebody else. Listen, you can't ever steal from a giver. All right, let me say that again. You can't ever steal from a giver. 
okay? You know what the devil will do to you? You'll help somebody, then you won't like what they do with the help you gave them, and then the devil will come along and tell you, you shouldn't do that anymore. Let me wave you off right here, right now. Don't you ever do that. Don't you live like that. Okay, one time we helped a lady in our office across the street, and we helped people at different times. And this young girl came across the street, and she came in our offices with her small children, and and, uh, we talked to her, and she needed help, and we helped her. And then I watched her as she came across the street. Her boyfriend, her husband, was across the street over here in the alley hiding in the bushes. And then when she got across the street, he came out of the bushes. He was afraid to come across with her, and that's sad that he was afraid, but she didn't want us to know that she had him with her. Listen, the enemy will come along and say, man, see, they just used you. They took advantage of you. Man, I'm not living like that. And it changed us when we decided not to do that. Look at what it says in Luke 6, 38. It says, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. Another translation says, men will put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, there's a lot of truth in that verse. I could break that down and preach on it for two weeks. But all I want you to see is simply this. We learned to be givers. We learned to be givers. We wanted to be involved in what God was doing with our money. Here's what happens to us. We come to church, we find Jesus as our Savior. Thank God we get water baptized. We're going to do that in a few minutes. And things happen to you in your life and you come to church and you begin to worship God. And you begin to find out if you hold your hands up, you won't get shot or you won't get hurt or you won't be embarrassed. You know, that's another lie the devil tells you is that everybody's watching you. Hey, I got great news. Nobody's watching. Yeah, nobody's watching. So you can put your hand up. And so what we do is we begin to put our hands up. But then here's what happens to us. While we have our hands up, we lean down and we put one hand over our wallet. Yeah, and we're like, God, I love you, but I'm going to keep my hand on my wallet. I've got a good friend uh, who has struggled with drug addiction, alcoholism. And he told me one time whenever he would go to his family's, particularly for a family event, that when he would pull up in his car, everybody would run and grab their wallet and their purse because, because they were afraid that when he came in that he would rob them, he'd steal from them. And sometimes we kind of treat God the same way. You know, we say, hey, God, I love you. Hey, God, I care about you. And man, I'm, I'm so grateful that I'm here, but I'm going to keep one hand on my wallet just to, just to make sure that you don't slip into my wallet. Kurt told a story several months ago about during the crusades when they would baptize christian knights to go fight in the crusades they would baptize these soldiers but they would hold their sword out of the water when they got baptized they got baptized but not their sword because their sword was an instrument of death their sword was an instrument of war and so what they were telling god is god you can have me but you can't have my sword well sometimes as christians we do the same thing to god hey god when i'm baptized i'm gonna hold my wallet out of the water or i'm gonna hold my purse out of the water and that and that doesn't belong to you now i want to read a verse to you this morning Matthew 10, 37, this really helped me and helped Vicki and I in our, in our walk with God. Listen to what this says. It says, he who, Jesus is speaking. He says, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. I want you to just focus with me on the last sentence. It says, he who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Here's what I want you to see in this verse. You see, God asked us 
Rusty, Vicky, will you give me everything that you have? Now, that doesn't mean that we gave everything we had in the offering. What it means is, is there anything in your life you're holding back? Oh, hey, God, man, I'm coming to church, and I'm giving you my heart. Oh, but you can't have my marriage. Oh, hey, God, you can have my marriage, but you, you can't have my kids. Oh, hey, God, you can have my kids, but, Lord, I can't give you my job. You don't understand my job, my boss. Or, hey, Lord, you can have my boss, but you, but you can't have my money. All right, what does that verse say? That verse says that anything you hold on to, God, you can't have this. Anything you hold on to to keep, in fact, you're going to lose. All right, let's just talk about salvation. Okay, the only way into heaven is to know Jesus as your Savior. And I surrendered my life to Christ. I said, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior. And you know what I did? I got off the throne of my life, and I allowed Jesus to take his rightful place in my life. And I surrendered to him. The word Lord means boss. Jesus, you're now my boss. You're now my Lord. And I give you my life. Here's what he said. Now, guess what, Rusty? You get to keep your life. And you're going to spend eternity with me, and you're going to have eternal life. But what happens when we say, no, Lord, you can't have my life. Lord, I'm keeping it. It's mine, and I'm going to do with it what I want. Well, the Bible says that it'll be lost. Jesus said it'll be lost. So the question this morning, here's what we did. We said, Lord, we want to make you Lord of our finances. Jesus, we're going to surrender our finances to you. And listen, it changed, it changed our life. It changed our life. Now, it can, be, it can be anything else. Primarily, I'm talking about finances. But just before I move on here, just momentarily, whatever it is in your life this morning that you're holding on to, whatever it is, whatever it is, I would encourage you this morning to have a meeting with Jesus and to give it to him, surrender it to him, because if you don't, you're going to lose it anyway. So we surrendered our finances. And when we did, it changed our life. Now, I want to go to another verse. I want to go to Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to read verse 17. Let me set this up. Paul is talking about a group of Christians who were helping him financially. He was doing ministry just like we're doing ministry, and they were helping him financially. And he thanked them. Then this is what he said. He said, not that I seek the gift, the giving, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Listen very carefully. One of the main benefits of being a giver is you get blessed. Paul said right there in that verse that you'll have fruit to your account. Now listen, one of the things that we learned early in our life, listen, here's what faith is. This is not faith. Faith is not holding on. Faith is letting go. And when we opened our hands, see, whatever you're holding on to in your life that you won't let go of, Jesus can't take a hold of your hand. But when you open your hands and say, Lord, here's my checkbook, here's my finances, here's my job, when you let go of it, that's what faith is. And that verse says that when you give, you'll have fruit to your account. Now, let me tell you our story. Vicki and I are young married, and we received Christ, we have this experience with God like many of you have had, and we surrender our life to ministry. I felt called to the ministry, and we surrendered our life to ministry, and we began to follow God and move to go to Bible school. But here's what we decided early is that we wanted to be givers. Now, we weren't making a lot of money in those early days. You've heard me joke about it. You know, when Vicki would cash a check, she'd cash a $10 check. And, uh, you know, that was a little spending money. And when we would uh, get gas, we'd get $10 worth of gas. Many of you have done that. You remember the days of $10 worth of gas? Now, it would buy some gas, right? Um, you know, it would get you more than two gallons. But, but we didn't have a lot of income. And we decided that we were going to become tithers. We were going to give God part of what we had every single week or every single month. And here's what we would do. When we would get paid, 
Vicky would take that check, put it in the bank, and then she would write our tithe check based on whatever it is that we had coming in, and she would fold that check and put it in her wallet. She wrote it first. See, she didn't write it last. She didn't pay all of our bills, and then we'll go to the movie and eat popcorn, and then if there's anything left over, we're going to give some to God. No, we gave God our first. The Bible calls it the first fruits. And so she wrote the check first, folded it in half, and put it in her purse, and then after that, we would pay our bills and do the things that we, we did. Now, Vicki and I were talking yesterday, and she said this. She said, honey, in 40 years almost, we've been married almost 40 years, God has always taken care of us. Now listen to me. We live in a house better than I ever thought I'd live in, ever. When we were young married, we'd drive around and look at houses and think, who lives in these houses? What kind of job do you have to have to live in these houses? And I would think, you know what we were taught growing up? Well, it's uh, doctors, lawyers, and Indian chiefs. Now, you remember that saying, right? Yeah, you know who lives in these houses? Doctors, lawyers, and Indian chiefs. And so I wasn't a doctor or a lawyer or an Indian. So I didn't know what I was going to do. But I can remember driving around and looking and thinking, oh, wow. Listen, God has blessed us. God has taken care of us in so many ways because we decided to give God our finances. We decided to become givers. Now, here's the thing. Anytime you buy something, and I don't mean milk and bread. I don't mean that. But you buy something big. Whenever you buy something, it's never a financial decision. It's always a spiritual decision. See, here's what happens to us a lot of times. Frankly, you know what we do? We just eat all of our seed. We spend it on ourselves. You see, God's given us money, and like our words, our money is seed. And we do eat our seed. We do. We pay our bills. We live our lives just like all of you do. But then we take a portion of that seed, and we take that seed, and we give it back to God. All right? You know, I heard not very long ago that the reason God told Adam and Eve to not eat, not eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden was because that belonged to him. And that was the first fruits, and they had no right to it. You see, we have seed in our budget that doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. And so we take that seed, and we give it to God. And we learned early in our life, and God has blessed us. God has taken care of us. God has looked after us our entire lives. Now, let me give you a couple of money myths that we learned about giving. Here's the first myth, and I hear this all the time. Oh, pastor, we'd love to give. We love this message. We love Power Kids. We love Ground Zero. We love what you're doing, but we can't afford it. We can't afford it. Well, you see, it doesn't matter how much you have. What matters is what you're doing with what you have. And see, when we had very little, when we had very little, we decided to give. Now we have more, and we give more. And if we have more in the future, we will give more. You see, we started where we were. We started small. Could I encourage some of you that are struggling with that? If it's as simple as getting an envelope and writing on it God's money, and you put that envelope in your cabinet, and maybe you don't eat out one time a week, or maybe you set aside some money, and you put it in that envelope, and then you bring it to church, and you give it to God. Now, Vicki would write the checks, and she would put it in our purse. Now, here's how we handle our money. I know people do different things with money, and there's different ways to think about money, but our money is our money. 
You see, she doesn't have her money and I have my money. We have our money. And it doesn't matter if there's one job or two jobs. It doesn't matter when extra money comes in. It's always our money. And we don't buy anything. Now, again, without, we buy milk and bread. We don't, we don't have to pray about that. But when we're trying to decide about something big, we talk and we pray. And we ask ourselves, each other, and then we ask God. Listen, it doesn't matter what we have in our life. It's ours. All right? Uh, I've told you many times before, you know, when my mother passed away, I inherited some things from my mother. There was some financial inheritance. There were some different items, and there was some land. Listen, that's not my land. It's our land. All right? Because why? Because we're married. We're in covenant together. And so I don't tell my wife, oh, honey, don't tell me what to do with my land. Right? Honey, I'm going to go drive by and look at my land. Or, honey, I'm going to do this with my land. No, no. It's our land. It's our land, it's our money, it's our savings, it's ours. We don't do this whole thing. We don't, we don't play that game of, of, well, that's yours and this is mine. That, we made that decision a long time ago. And so what we did was we decided that even when things were small, we were going to give. Now, I heard Jimmy Evans, he's the pastor at Trinity Fellowship, and that's a great church in Amarillo. We were there one evening for a service, and I heard him say this. He said, let the giver in your family give. Now, there may be some of you in your family situation, and maybe you struggle a little bit with giving, but if I could encourage you, just what he said, let the giver in your family give. Now, Vicki and I are both givers. We give, but Vicki's always giving to things all the time. I mean, we'll get letters in the mail from somebody, and I'll open it up, and it'll say, thank you for helping us. Thank you for giving. And I think, oh, my gosh, I didn't even know where you were giving to them. I mean, we're, we're helping them, and I didn't even know it. All right, she's always giving. She's always looking for ways to give. When we, when we go places like the other churches, she always gets out her checkbook and she writes a check and we give. All right, and it's, it's changed our life. Now, I don't want to put pressure on you this morning. That's not my heart at all, but it changed us. When we surrendered our finances to God, here's, here's the next thing, is you decide, well, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. That's a myth. I'll, man, I'm, I'll, man, as soon as fall gets here, I'm going to start. And I'm going to start. I'm going to start next month or I'm going to start next year. But you know what we did early on is we started early. And we just decided that we were going to give. And you know what? We don't miss that money. Uh, we don't wish we had it for something else. We don't regret giving. God has always blessed us. He's always taken care of us. Now, here's the thing. I read you the verse already. See, if you hold on to what you have, you end up not having anything. But if you give God and you let God involved, then you know what he does? He'll take what you have and he'll multiply it. And he'll multiply it. The Bible says he gives seed to the sower. And so what we've had and we've given, God has given back to us and God has multiplied it back to us. And it, it's changed our life. It's changed how we've done our finances. It's changed how we lived our lives. And so we don't make big purchases without talking. We don't make big purchases without praying. We don't think, hey, I have a right to that. That's my money. All right, no, it's not, it's not my money. It's our money. And then it's not our money. It's God's money. Amen? So I just want to encourage you this morning. If God's not involved in your finances, get him involved. If you are, listen to me. We're making a difference here. The last thing that's stirring in my heart is this. When you give, you touch eternity. All right, when you give, you touch eternity. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Amen? 
All right, now here's the thing I want you to see. We're getting ready to start Ground Zero and Power Kids. This last year in Ground Zero, uh, they probably baptized 25 teenagers this October. They're going to do a baptism outside again in Ground Zero, and we baptized 25 teenagers. We've probably had 50 teenagers receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've probably had another 50 teenagers receive, G- receive Jesus as their Savior. In Power Kids, and you get in Power Kids, it's full. There's 140 kids, and you say, hey, how many of you boys and girls want Jesus? Well, every hand goes up. That's what I love about kids. Nobody says, I don't want God. I know, they don't. Adults do that. Kids don't do that, amen? And so every little hand goes up in the air, and I lead them in a prayer of salvation, and every single one of them invite Jesus into their heart. Now listen, childhood salvations are real salvations, amen? When a child gives his heart to Jesus, I believe it's real and it's sincere and it means something. Here's the thing, when you give, you're touching eternity. When you give in the offering here, you're touching eternity. When we raise that $5,000 and we drill that water well in Africa, we touch those people's lives. We're touching eternity. Now, I don't know about you, but that encourages me. You see, I'm going to use my seed. We're going to use our seed for ourselves, but then I want some of that seed to go forward. I want some of that seed to touch eternity so that my life is not just a waste of time, but there's gold and there's silver and there's precious stone. Amen? Amen. Y'all stand up. Let's pray. Man, that is some good preaching. Man, you know, I'm so glad Pastor studied and showed up and had something that he didn't want to talk about football. All right. Okay, now listen to me. Uh, I know that we have two people that we're going to baptize. If there's others, that's great, but I know of two. Listen, if you're here this morning and you want to be baptized and you want to run home real quickly and grab some clothes, you can. If you want to be baptized in your clothes, we don't care. All right, why do you get baptized? Because you've invited Jesus Christ into your life. Baptism's an outward expression of an inward change, and it marks your life. You're saying, Jesus belongs to me, and I belong to Jesus. So if you haven't been baptized and would like to, we're going to do it. Now, here's what I want you to do. We're going to pray. We're going to dismiss. I'm going to run in the bathroom and change my shirt. And then we're going to come right out here to this tank. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle up around that tank, tank like a football team. And uh, when we baptize, we're going to cheer and shout and be excited for our brothers and sisters. So please don't, it won't take 10 minutes. So please don't leave. Don't miss out on this because we all want to be a part of it. Amen? All right, so let me pray, and then we're going to dismiss. Father, I love you. I'm so thankful for truth that changed our life. Lord, I know right believing produces right living, and I know right believing comes from knowing the truth. Father, I'm so grateful for this summer. I'm so grateful for the truths that you've taught all of us. Father God, as we get ready to go out here and do water baptism, Father, we're thankful for Christians who want to be water baptized and for the work you're doing in our lives and our church. And it's Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said?